Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I am, of course, your host with the most Phil Better, and today I have Brian Clayton on, an amazing entrepreneur in his own right. I'm going to give him a few seconds to introduce himself. So, Brian, welcome to the show, and uh, please give us a brief introduction. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so my name is Brian Clayton. I am CEO and co-founder of a company called GreenPal. So GreenPal is a mobile app. It works kind of like Uber, but for lawn mowing. So if you're a homeowner, you need to get your grass cut rather than calling around on Craigslist looking for a lawn care service, you can just download our app and somebody will come out and mow your yard for you. You can pay on and schedule them right, right through the app. And I've been at this business for eight years. I guess you could say we're kind of an eight-year overnight success. Uh, the first few years of starting this company were really hard getting this marketplace off the ground. But uh, we stuck with it, and here we are eight years in, doing over $20 million a year in revenue and several hundred thousand people using the app. So uh, it's been a hell of a journey. Uh, before GreenPow, I actually had a landscaping company that I ran for 15 years. Uh, grew it from just myself and a push mower to 150 employees. Got that business over $10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, sold that company uh, to one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. So I kind of learned a lot about how to get a business going from scratch with my first company and then rolled all that into GreenPow, which, which is kind of like the Uber for lawn mowing. I love it. I personally, having had to mow a lot of lawn when I was a kid for my parents, knowing that I can just have an app that can do it for me now, I can pay someone to come and not wait for the kid around the block to come. I know I can schedule it. That is an amazing like market just to dominate. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that it's a chore that most everybody's got to get done. And nobody wants to do it. And it's actually a pain in the butt to find a reliable lawn mowing service. Like the case of the disappearing lawn guy is very real. And uh, our app helps solve that problem for homeowners. On the flip side of the transaction, it's really kind of a business in a box for, for lawn care services. It's a way for them to get all the new clients they want, get paid very quickly for the work they do, and kind of schedule and keep track of everybody all in one place. And so we spent a long time trying to go deep on both sides of the transaction and add value to make it where it's just easier to do it on our app than it is in, in the real world. Yeah, no, it's because you're coming from being that client who needs to have their lawn cut. Obviously, homeowners usually have that problem. So you're like, OK, I know that problem. That's an easy to solve. But then because you were in the landscape industry for, like you said, for like 15 years, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah, it can help to solve your own problem. You know, when you're starting a new business, particularly like an app, like a technology company, it can really be helpful to be solving your own problem, be solving the the, the, the the things that are broken with the world that you've experienced. And it can kind of put you on first base almost. So for me, you know, I had, I had a lifetime in the industry. So I was kind of building for myself, really. And that kind of was what got us through the first several years. The only problem was I didn't know how to code. I didn't know how to build software. My co-founders didn't either. So we had to learn that whole side of it. Uh, while we were, you know, at least, at least I had the industry knowledge, but we had to learn the technology execution as we went. Yeah, that must have been a, a fun, uh, a fun hole to jump, jump into going from pure, nearly pure manual labor into now you're doing like thinking jobs where you have to think how to code yeah. it and do all that. 
very much a blue collar business that I ran the first time around and then had to kind of reinvent myself to become a technology entrepreneur. And that took a lot longer and a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. And, you know, I love the name of your podcast, Invest in Yourself. It's really what business will cause you to do. It'll cause you to become and do things that you never would have ever done or been had an interest in doing. And so if you're doing business right, you should you should really be evolving as a completely new person every three or four years. And that certainly is the case for me. You know, uh, starting my tech business, had no tech background, no, no tech knowledge. Uh, but the business forced me to level up. It forced me to acquire these skills, forced me to learn these things that I never would have learned otherwise had the had the company not required me to do it. So that's one of the things I love about business. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm I'm starting my entrepreneurial journey uh, with not only this podcast, but my podcast production. And I've noticed that I had to up my skill because I had to learn how to copy because I'm posting it out on social media. I need to get that copy so people will watch the episodes or want to engage with me to have their own podcast. But it's 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 one of the greatest lessons in life is having your own business because you learn everything and you can, like you said, you level up every few years because you get this knowledge and then other people are asking you to teach them that knowledge and you can That's share right. that knowledge with them. Marketplace is a relentless uh, purveyor of feedback and it doesn't care who you are, what your background is, doesn't care where you went to school, what your, what your ethnicity is or what your, what your gender is. Like it's going to tell you where you stink and, uh, and it's good. It causes you to grow. It causes you to learn things, causes you to, to, to do things you never would have done. And it causes your life to be interesting. Um, if, if you take inventory of like 10 or 20 years of, of your life and if you spent it building businesses, it'll, it, I guarantee you it'll be a more interesting life than if you just went to work somewhere in corporate America. I can guarantee you my life since I started doing podcast production has been way more interesting than the 35 years before. I can, yeah. I, I can, I can guarantee it because I, I was a nine to fiver for pretty much 20 years of my life, you know started when I was around 18, started doing the nine to five and working my way up. And then I realized, no, no, I want to be my own boss. It's, it's more fun because you get to learn and deal with the people you want to. And you right. don't have to worry about, you know, having a boss yell at you saying you're not doing the right thing. But it ain't all fun. No. <laughs> There's a lot of months you're like, Am I going to be able to make groceries this week? Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. It is tough. But, it, you know, that, like every interesting story, every interesting movie you, you ever watched, the hero, the main character went through ups and downs, went through challenges, went through trials. And that's what made the storyline interesting. And they overcame those to, to get where they were trying to go. And that's what business can do. It can, it can lend you that storyline to live an interesting life. At least it has for me in 20 years of business. No, I, I don't doubt it. You're, you've taken two companies, one to ten million, and then sold it, and then you took a, a new one to twenty million. That's that's an impressive story. Not a lot of people have that in their back pocket, or know people who have done that. And I've been blessed because with this podcast, I've been able to inter interview amazing entrepreneurs like yourself who have done these amazing turnarounds, either with one company, two companies, three companies. Um, I want to go focus because we did touch on that there are downs in the life of an entrepreneur. I, I want to know what is like maybe one of your favorite failures you may have had in your whole journey as an entrepreneur? Yeah, every entrepreneur goes through a, a point or maybe several points of the journey where they're like, you know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. My spouse hates me. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm never home. I can't make payroll. Uh, you know, it's like every entrepreneur goes through that. And so it's like, 
it's like uh, for me, there's been many points like that. One, one in particular was uh, my last company I was running through the 2008 crisis, which in many ways was worse than the 2020 COVID economic crisis because. I mean, in 2008, the government didn't really have this bazooka. I, well, maybe they did, but they weren't firing trillions of dollars at the problem like they did in 2020. So I, th- I believe the 2008 crisis was much harder on small business than, than what we just went through. And so there was no PPP. There was no pay. There was, I was just like, hey, you're out of business. Sorry. Good luck, pal. And, uh, and so that said, uh, you know, going through that with 100 plus employees, a lot of our business was reliant on new construction. A lot of our business was reliant on commercial clientele spending money on maintaining their outdoor outdoors and, and improving their curb appeal and things like that. And, and it was just like somebody took a water faucet and turned it off and it was just done. Nobody was spending any money, no new construction. All of our customers were out of business and, you know, having to like navigate that, you know, I woke up one day and payroll every week was like a hundred grand. 117 grand, something like that. And I had like 20 grand in the bank. So that was really, 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 really tough because I had to like go to all of our people and say, Hey, you know, we're not going to make payroll this week, but I promise we're going to make everybody whole and we're going to stick this, stick this out together and, and figure it out. But, but for anybody that doesn't want to stay, I totally understand. And, uh, we got through it, you know, and like, you know, if I didn't know it at the time, but like five years would pass and I was, I would be glad that that actually happened because, because success is a lousy teacher. It's only the things that you do wrong. And the, and the really, when things are, when the shit's hitting the fan, do you really learn? And it's not happening to you as the founder, as a, as the owner, it's happening for you. And for me, it's like, I learned so much going through that crisis of like how to be a wartime CEO and how to manage through a downturn and how to like make hard decisions. And, and, uh, and I turned to books and resources and things to learn, uh, from other leaders and managers and try to try to figure out how to pilot this business through it. And it was only because we went through that, that I have the business like broken down to the studs and rebuilt from the inside out. Was I able to get the company sold, you know, what would have been three or four years later. So it, it, as it turned out, it was a great thing. But at the time, it was really, really sucking <laughs> through, going through that. <laughs> it was the worst moment of your career as an entrepreneur with uh, yeah. the housing market. Yeah, I know. I, I, one of my clients, he, uh, he's transitioned over from building, being a roofer and only one of the largest roofing companies in in uh, Florida, to now doing. Uh, he's a. Um, sorry, a sports network. He's building up a sports network. So he understood, like we, we talked about the 20, uh, 2008 crisis and you taught bringing it up. It was like, yeah, I, he, he mentioned the same thing, like having to buckle that belt tighter than you want to, because it's hard. And I love how you went to the books. You went to the books to find out from others who have had those problems. And I think there's so much knowledge in both these podcasts, like you sharing your story saying like, yeah, you have to be communicating with your staff like if you have this problem so that they are aware of and they can help you because they'll figure out newer solutions yeah that's the thing like and again invest in yourself like the business is going to cause you to to do that like that that crisis caused me to be a better leader caused me to learn how to be a better manager caused me to to to, to pick up resources that i never would have wanted to pick up and to like make it in business, you know, your, your living room is going to have to be a classroom. Your car 
is going to have to be a mobile classroom. And, and you're going to have to be listening to podcasts like this one. You're going to have to be reading books, listening to audio books, and trying to figure out uh, what you can learn from people who have already done what it is you're trying to do. And if you do that for a decade, man, you'll look back and you'll be a completely different person. And that's really a nice thing about it. Yeah, I, I have to fully agree with you. I'm just doing this for the last six months. I've noticed that I'm a completely different person because I have all these secrets before I release them. I get to ask the questions if I'm going through something. I'm like, you know, this guest is a great guest who has the knowledge. I get to ask them the questions that I'm facing and hopefully my audience uh, learns from that as well. Um, what would you say is your favorite lesson you've learned from a success you've had? Yeah, I've had, in particularly in the second business, when we started GreenPal, we, we made a mistake of outsourcing too quickly and delegating too quickly. We didn't know how to build the technology, so we thought that all we needed to do was was to pay a development shop to build what the GreenPal app should be, and then we would be off and going. And we did that, and we pissed away like 150 grand doing that, and it was a total failure. And so we had to learn the hard way that for us to be able to execute and build tech, we would need to have to have those skills like in-house. And so we had to learn those things. But as we began to learn them, we then like have these like the scar tissue around delegating too quickly. And so we, we held on to it too long and uh, made the mistake of not delegating soon enough. So we wasted like two or three years doing all this of ourselves. It was only when we started to figure out like, okay, this is our process. This is how we do things. This is why we do it this way. Now let's start layering on other team members and delegate these to these other roles and and figure out how to do that once i figured that out we like we hit an inflection point and just took off running and i wish i had learned that earlier and i wish i had learned out learned how to build better processes and systems to delegate quicker once we had some some acumen around it so it's like the the point is not delegate delegate and delegate fast it's like learn the 80 20 of it do it figure it out do and figure out your process around it then delegate it one of my favorite books is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And what he talks about in that book is to go through the exercise of actually creating an org chart for your business. And you might think, well, it's just me. I don't need an org chart. Well, yeah, you still do. And you need to go through that exercise. So you need like you'd head of finance, head of strategy, head of customer service, head of, of R&D, head of uh, hiring, head of recruitment, head of marketing, the person who sweeps the floor, uh, like all of these roles like you need to lay out. And it's going to be your name on all of them. Um, but as time goes on, you can then peel your name off some of them and maybe out, like delegate that to a freelancer, a contractor, a part-time employee or full-time employee going through that exercise of like envisioning what the organization looks like. And then as time goes on, as you work your way through the journey, you can, you can then, you can then delegate that to people who can focus on it and do it better than you can. I love, I love that message of doing it yourself first, the 80, 20 principle, something I, I live by. I love it. And figuring it out as much as possible. And then knowing, okay, this is taking 80% of my time. I know someone can do it in 20% of my time. I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to spend 20 minutes to find it or 20, 20% of my time finding it. And you'll end up finding them because they, you already know what you're looking for. Cause you're like, okay, this is the knowledge I have. They have to have at least that knowledge and right. then I can go to the next level with them. So I otherwise you're just, you're just shooting in the dark. You don't you have no clue. And uh, you have to have some sort of acumen around this stuff. The analogy that I use is like as a business owner in the early days, you got to be pretty good at a lot of different stuff. And one of my favorite video games growing up was Super Mario Kart. 
And if you remember that video game, like there's all these different drivers. You had Princess, Toad, uh, Yoshi. Uh, yeah. And every Bowser, one of these drivers. I love, by the way, I'm a video game junkie, so I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Bowser, right. Right. And so every one of these drivers was exceptionally good at one thing. Like Toad handled really well. Princess was the fastest off the line. Uh, Bowser had the highest top end speed. It took him a while to get there. And so like, depending on your strategy, you could like use one of these drivers and like maximize on certain courses. But then you had Mario who was just like half-ass good at everything. And he wasn't like the fastest. He wasn't, certainly didn't handle the best. Certainly wasn't the best fastest off the line, but he was like a pretty good at everything. And particularly if you were just getting started at the game and you wanted to learn how the game worked, you would want to start with Mario. And so in business, it can help to be Mario. You need to like think of yourself as a generalist. You need to be half-assed good at all this stuff. And if you're not good at it, you need to read. You need to you need to go to YouTube University. Anything you need to learn, whether it's bookkeeping or marketing or Facebook ads or podcasting or whatever it is, you can you can pour your soul into YouTube and find out the answer. Pretty and uh, you got to be pretty good at all this stuff. Yeah, no, I, I think you the, the the old quote, the be a jack of all trade, master of none, uh, when you're starting out is great. And then you find where you're you're great at. Like I right. I personally love talking and asking the questions to the entrepreneurs that I get to have on the podcast, whereas I despise editing the episodes. Yeah. Like, I, I hate hearing my voice, but everybody's like, you have such a great voice. It's like, yes, to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, your voice, hear, your voice is solid. Your voice is solid to me. I, so <laughs> I, I know, and I, I've always been told that I have the voice for radio and this and that. But it's just listening back and going, "Why did I say that?" Yeah, <laughs> and criticizing for what I'm saying, and oh, you should have said that question or asked that. So I've delegated that off to someone. I know what I need. I can say this is exactly how I want the episode to be done. Do it like that. So I have that process place, like you said, get those processes in place because that's so important. Yeah, you did it yourself for a period of time so you could understand how to delegate versus a lot of today's entrepreneurs and today's generation of, of, of business owners. They just want to skip all that and they just want like, yeah, no, I want somebody else to do all the hard work. Well, they don't even know like how to where to even start. And it's like they don't know if they've, they've hired like either. They're gonna, it's going to be one of two things. They, they make a bad hire and they screw it up or they get lucky. It's one of the two and like luck is a terrible strategy. And so hope is a terrible plan. And, and so it's like, you got to do this stuff a little bit yourself in the beginning. Yeah, I, I fully agree uh, with you. Get the, get the battle. Like you do get the battle scars. Yep. So you have it, you know, where, you know, when I'm supposed to block or I'm supposed to pivot over to someone else, you know, all that. And then you move on. Um, I, I do want to know, do, were you always an entrepreneur from birth or was it just like, I'm just going to start this landscaping company because I there's a need and I'm going to fill it. Uh, I was very lucky uh, to have a father that dragged me into entrepreneurship, kicking and screaming. He uh, he came into my room on a hot summer day and said, "Get off your ass! Uh, I've got I've got a gig lined up for you. You're going to go mow the neighbor's yard uh, for twenty bucks." Made me go mow the neighbor's grass, uh, and it was we, I was not living in a democratic household. <laughs> And so, and so uh, I was like 16, 15 years old and made me do it. Thank God he did because something about that just stuck with me. Like I, I made 20 bucks and I could work as, and I realized, Hey, I can, I can have anything I want. So long as I'm willing to hustle up some more of these, I just need some more of these yards. And so like the first thing I did is like, I passed out a bunch, I made a bunch of door flyers on my old school windows computer 
uh, Microsoft Works or no, it's it some some other it's like before Office, you know, and and uh, made some flyers and passed out and got like ten customers that first summer. And ever since then, I never looked back. Always just thought this is the way to do it. I mean, I'm uh, and then I went to high, went to college, put myself through college mowing grass and. And, uh, and then I had to make a decision. Was I going to like double down and go keep with this lawn care service or go into the job market? I didn't really like want to be a lawn guy my whole life, but, uh, but I started doing some quick back of the envelope math. And I realized if I was going to go into the job market, I was going to take a pay cut. I thought, shit, I'm making more money mowing yards than, than these guys, uh, that are graduating college with me and going into the job market. So I just stuck with it. Luckily I did. And and, and then I didn't ever look back. That's that's awesome. I love how your first foray into the entrepreneurial world it was the one that decided, yeah, this is where I'm going to stay. I love this niche. I love this. Uh, the, the money, obviously, probably was the biggest factor, but still, that's what you go into as an entrepreneur. You, you find your little niche and you know the money's going to come. If you expect the money right away, you're, you're going to fail. Yeah, and I saw Elaine to... to for quite frankly, make something of myself. You know, I, I wasn't particularly and still am not particularly talented at much anything else, but I thought if I could just work my ass off in this business, I can make something of myself. I can, and I almost had like a chip on my shoulder. I thought, well, you know, I can build the biggest, most profitable uh, business in my industry and in my market if I just work hard enough. And and so in the early days, it was very much a chip on my shoulder. I wanted to prove I could do it. And then as time went on, like the meaning around why I was running the company evolved beyond just myself to more around the people that worked in the company and and the importance of, of giving them a, a livelihood and opportunities. And But in the early days, it was very much a chip on my shoulder. And I very much saw a lane as business was my, my ticket to make something of myself in life. And I think if you can look at it that way, it's like if, if you grow, if you live in America, you business is something that we all have access to that you can improve your station in life and you can change the dynamics of your of your family tree and and like like in, in pass like a meaningful money down to your to your kids if you execute well in business. And it's like we all have access to it. There's like nobody has an excuse. So you, we, all the information is there. If so, so long as you're sufficient, to, you're willing to work hard enough, you can do it. Yeah, I, I love that message. Like, of, of like, if you put in the work, you will be successful. Yep. It's, it's a grind at the beginning, but afterwards, you start accumulating these things. And like you said, you can start going. Okay, I can hire my first employee. They can take. 10 of my clients. Great. Now I have more time either to get more clients or I can deal with what I'm dealing inside. And so I love how you're saying, just right. do it, just start and eventually you'll see that it, you'll be change your station. Now, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs or nine to fivers? I don't, you know, yeah, I'm the first entrepreneur in my family and the only one. And I think it's just it was just fate and luck that 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 got me you know when at a formidable age to understand the power of it and to understand the opportunity of it and to just go all in on it and uh, you know I guess I'm lucky in a way I'm also lucky in a way that I grew up in a in a part of I grew up in Middle Tennessee outside of Nashville so the the uh, the local market that I was operating in was was booming you know new construction new new things happening. It was, it was, it was uh, vibrant. 
So if I had grown up in a part of a country where nothing was happening, you know, my life might have turned out a little different. So there might be a lesson there to be learned, like go somewhere where, where stuff's happening. You know, you kind of you have control over that. You, you can, you know, the you can go anywhere you want to go. Uh, it can help you, I think, to go somewhere where something is happening. Um, at least it did for me. You know, if I, if I had just been moved like maybe one hour in one direction in a small town where nothing was going on, my life might have turned out very different. Well, I'm personally, I'm thankful that you, you were born and you lived in the same place and that because this conversation would not have been happening and I wouldn't be with <laughs> appreciate the, that. Uh, the Green Pals CEO, the guy who created a, the Uber of lawn care, which I think is an amazing catch and uh, <laughs> way to uh, market the company because it's everybody, my generation, I know uh, we're probably very close in age, I'm hoping or else I'm going to feel very young. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm 41. All right, I'm 36. We're good. Uh, okay, we're good. <laughs> pretty much. Um, but I, like, we're so time constrained. Like having, you know, we our jobs are harder, taking more time. We we're, have our families taken care of. We don't have time to, you know, do the lawn every week. But we know, hey, I can order someone to do it, and it's taken care of, and I know it's going to be good because the, this company relies on great people to do do the job and you know it's the uber eats you know uber of lawn care i love it it's it's a that's what uh, that's one thing we we keyed in on uh in probably year one or two we thought in the early days that we were selling a cheaper alternative to get this chore done like it, and in most cases it is cheaper to use our platform but what we really came to understand was that we were selling time we were selling speed reliability and time and price yeah this price just needed to be like in the in the range of acceptability but more or less we were selling back time to consumers that use our, our app so i think it can be it can be important to understand kind of what it is you're selling and and there's a good book called the story brand by a uh, author named donald miller which is just a really good book about thinking about what you're actually selling and how it actually materially improves the life of your customer it, it can be a good exercise for pretty much every every business owner, every entrepreneur to, to read that book and go through it. I think, uh, and you touched on something that I, I've noticed is the entrepreneurs that I've interviewed, they, they, they don't look for the money. They look for how they can make time come back to them. How right. can I delegate? Like you have the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which I'm Great in book. the process of reading. I, I love it because the internet does allow us to buy back time. Because right. you can find someone who's an expert in it. Like, if I wanted to cut my lawn, I have the choice: do I go cut my lawn myself and waste thirty to forty-five minutes doing all that that it, and making it look nice, or jump on the Green Pal app and go, "There we go. He's the price range I want. Boom!" And then I I now can take that thirty forty-five minutes and work on my business, work on be with my family. So I think we're seeing that change. Entrepreneurials going into buying freeing up time for people. Yeah, the four hour work week's a great book. And that book's just that book is not a necessarily about only working four hours a week. It's about automation, processes, delegation, systemizing everything you're doing to, like you said, buy back time. And it's not a zero sum game. It's not like just because you you jump on Green Pal and get somebody to cut your grass that that you're taking away from somebody else. No, it's like one plus one is three. This this lawn care service is set up, whoever you hire, is set up to do it much more efficiently in a much uh, uh, more high quality fashion than you are. 
and they want that business and then they can take that and put it to work in some other ways and that's like the beauty of, of the marketplace and so it's not like you're taking from somebody else when you're delegating and you're buying back time you're just trying to, to take time from like you're doing something low leverage to high leverage and so it's like low leverage time is mowing your own yard or cleaning your own house um, high leverage time is like you said spending time with family or maybe working on your business, working on the strategy of your business, working on the marketing plan of your business, working on the hiring plan of your business. That's high leverage time. So you always want to be moving out of the low leverage quadrant into the high leverage quadrant. And delegation is kind of how you can do that, where you're delegating somebody to mow your yard or you're delegating somebody to help you with data entry into a spreadsheet, you know, whatever it is, you know, the four hour work week can kind of help shift your mindset around that. At least at least it has for me. Oh, and it, it certainly has for me. I, I now have more Google Forms than I know what to do with for my clients. I'm like, look, here's fill out this form. It populates what I need for me to take care of their uh, podcast. So it's it's great. Uh, right. I personally love it that like there's you can figure out anything on the Internet. Like you said, go to YouTube University and you can learn how to maximize your time because there is someone already maximizing their time and they're teaching you. That's right. That's exactly so, right. I want to jump in uh we're gonna go jump into the future a bit um what is the ultimate goal of brian clayton like if i snap my fingers we're 20 30 years down the road you've accomplished most of the things you wanted what is the one thing that you really wanted to accomplish in your life you know i get a kick out of people who work with me work for me stakeholders uh, just by way of them being a part of something that that I'm trying to get rolling, that they then had access to opportunity and abundance and and things that otherwise may not have happened because I was in the mix. And so like 20, 30, 40 years from now, you know, I'm on my deathbed. I, I want to have a legacy of people say, you know what, I, I, I worked with that guy. He was a straight shooter. You know, we worked on this project together. We took it from zero to this. We helped th th these many people and customers and constituents. And, and it's like we just created abundance by way of hard work. And one plus one was three because I worked with Brian. And that's that's the legacy I want to leave behind. You know, is it about money? You know, I mean, after I sold my first business, I was I retired. And so it didn't really become about money anymore. Although money is important, you know, it, we all got to be honest, but it's not or it's and it's like, it's like, you got to have this purpose, you got to have this vision, you got to have these values. And let's get this money like you got to have both. It's not or I think a lot of I think I think it's popular today to say like, uh, like everybody's altruistic about their business and money doesn't matter. No, the money does matter. But you have to have the purpose too. it's and it's not or yeah, you, if you don't have the money, you can't re reach your goals. And right. if you don't have those that solid building with the money, you're never going to reach that goals because you're going to be distracted by other things or your your people aren't going to groove with you. They're not going to jive with you if exactly. you're focusing on the money. Um, yeah, no, a, lo a lot of times as an entrepreneur, our job is a capital allocator. So money comes in and then you as the entrepreneur, the founder, you allocate that capital back out. So the money's very, very important. It's the fuel. It's the rocket fuel. And it comes into you. You as the founder, you develop the strategy how you're going to allocate that money back out, whether it be more employees, different different freelancers, different marketing strategy, whatever. You're the capital allocator. Money is the driver behind all of it. No money, no profit, no, 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 there's no fuel. Man, so true. So true. Um, and I also, I love how you dropped like already two books 
Um, normally, near this point in the interview, I always ask, because I'm a voracious uh, reader of books, I always ask, what would be a book that you would suggest to uh, someone starting out in the entrepreneurial world? And you already gave us E-Myth as well as uh, StoryBrand. Is there maybe another book? Or do you have a book on its way um, that you want to share with us? Yeah. Um, so first is, is, you know, try to knock out a book a month. I mean, that's, that's doable. You know, I'm not saying a book a week, you know, like, like that might not be doable, but a book a month's doable. So you, you need to be reading 10, 12 books a year. And it's almost like the books can be blocking and tackling for whatever it is you're facing. Maybe you're just getting started. So you need to read a certain kind of book. And then maybe you have 10 employees and so now you got to level up as a leader and you need to like reach out for like John Maxwell books and stuff like that. Um, so the, what you're reading needs to be fluid and dynamic depending on what stage of the game you're in what level of the video game you're in uh, to use that analogy again for me some of my favorite books of course the e-myth like we talked about uh you, you mentioned four hour work week which is which is a must read um f for anybody starting a business i almost wish he would i almost wish tim ferris would write that book again today because it's like 14 years old um but still that's a great book um a book, uh, Good to Great, is a, is, a, is a great book that teaches you about like creating a flywheel effect in, in, inside of your business and some sort of like engine of, of, uh, of growth inside of the business. If you're starting a tech startup, the, a book called The Startup Owner's Manual by a guy by the name of Steve Blank, and that was the predecessor to the book The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. Those two books are kind of table stakes. And then another book, which is just more or less about like how to, how to think high leverage in life. And as it relates to business is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's a book that I read at least once every two years. It's like the holy Bible of thinking high leverage and, and changing how you how you think through situations. And and not just as it relates to business, but listen, life in general. I just I love that book. No, I, uh, I'm definitely going to be picking up. It's uh, my dad actually had the audio tape. That's how uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the audio tape would listen to his car. Like you said, the car needs to be a, a mobile uh, learning lab. Uh, yeah, so mobile learning lab. And, and, and a lot of these books I just, I just mentioned, you know, some of them I've never read. I've listened to on Audible. And so that's okay, too. Um, but, yeah, it's got to be it's got to be going. You know, you, you almost – you like I, I, there's been times where I've made, like, a deal with myself where it's, like, for every hour of, like, fun entertainment, whether it be crap television or whatever, I, I do an hour of Audible or an hour of – something on YouTube, like a conference or something like that I didn't go to, but it was on YouTube, you know? So it's like, you got to make time for this stuff. I love that. I love that, uh, that deal that you made an hour of pleasure for an hour of learning. Yeah. And it, and it adds up, it compounds. Yeah. Cause if you do an hour a day, that's 365 hours of learning that you've done. That's a full year of school pretty much, or even more yeah. school. Yeah. And if you look back five years ago or 10 years ago, you know, you're not going to regret you wouldn't regret like not seizing, seeing the entire like season of Breaking Bad, but what if you had spent that time listening to a bunch of audiobooks or reading a bunch of books and like you did that over five years, man, you just really, you really do become a different person. Yeah. And I wish I, you know, I only started thinking this way maybe 13 years ago. If I had started this in my early twenties, man, I, I'd be so much further ahead than where I am now. I wish I started that in my early 20s as well. But <laughs> it's better to start now. The best time to plant a tree was 15 years ago, but the next best is right yes, now. Yes, so start now. Start today. 
and I love it because I've been asking all my entrepreneurs on the podcast what their favorite book is just so that I can start getting into that next level. And like doing a book a month or a, two books a month, I, since I read so much, I usually have two books going at a time, which is not always the best, but. Yeah, know. it's doable. Book a month's doable. If I can yeah. do it, hell, I got an eighth grade education. If I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> all right, Brian, uh, I'm going to jump off the screen here. I'm going to give you the last five minutes to let everybody know where they can follow you on Facebook, find your app. Um, is your app in, uh, uh, global or not global, but uh, statewide or is it just one location? Yeah, so GreenPal is nationwide in the United States. So no matter where you live, you can download GreenPal in the App Store or the Play Store and get hooked up with a great lawn mowing service in less than a minute or two. And uh, anybody wants to reach out to me can hit me up on uh, Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. Brian, B-R-Y-A-N M Clayton. Brian M. Clayton. You can shoot me a follow and a DM there and be happy to connect with you. Awesome. And of course... All the uh, links will be in the show notes uh, so that you can follow Brian and hear more about his amazing business. Brian, I want to thank you so much for spending uh, 30 minutes with us, even though we had a little technical difficulties in the beginning. But uh, I want to thank you. Your story uh, is inspiring to me to uh, keep at it, knowing that, hey, it may take me five years, but in five years, I could be at your level and I'm looking forward to it. So uh, thank you again. I appreciate it. You know, I'll leave, I'll leave everybody with this as a quote from Jim Rohn. And uh, he says, in five years, you will arrive. It's just a matter of where. So it's going to, time is going to pass. Get to work on it today because the time is going to pass anyway. You might as well spend it working on something that, 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 that you own, that you control. All right. Best way to end a, an episode with that amazing quote. So without further ado, invest in yourself. And again, thank you, Brian, for an amazing conversation. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate it.